Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of this podcast. Men, as always, I want to begin by thanking you for checking out today's podcast episode. I'm out here in the garage like we do on every Friday, and it is a beautiful Friday morning here in Indianapolis. You can hear the city waking up, birds singing, people going to work, police sirens going, Indianapolis is really coming alive. So here we are out in the garage, and we are walking through Scripture. A couple things I want to get to before we get into Exodus chapter 33. Uh, First, we are sponsored by Darkwater Woodwork. Darkwater Woodwork is located out of Kansas City, darkwaterkc.com is where you can find out everything Darkwater Woodwork is about. If you purchase the Out in the Garage Beard Bundle, and I know a number of you have, put in the code today, Exodus33, all capital letters, and you will save 15% off of your Out in the Garage Beard Bundle, which is um, correlates with this podcast, but it also has uh, a little bit of Armored Nation coffee in it. Don't drink it. But uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. And you guys that have purchased it know exactly what I'm talking about. So it is a, a solid, solid beard oil, beard bundle. It's the only beard care that I use. I'm just a beard oil guy. That's all, that's all I do. Beard oil, beard comb. Other than that, um, it's pretty much just whatever shampoo is in the, uh, the shower at the time, whatever my wife graciously puts in there. So that's where I'm at. Um, you might see my beard and say, well, I don't want that. Well, I don't blame you, but that's that's where I'm at. So I want to encourage you to check that out. Uh, the last thing is this. It, this Friday, May 26th, on Saturday, May 27th, uh, registration for the next session of Tribe closes. Been talking about this for a couple months. Been so many social media posts. It's been in the email newsletter, podcast, etc. Um, we are we are at that, that doorstep of closing registration. God has sent a tremendous army of men all from all around the globe and uh man i can't wait to get this going it's a little sad it's bittersweet um because anytime you end a session which is what we're doing uh right now uh, session 11 it's kind of like uh, the last day of school you know there's a little bit of nostalgia on the last day of school that's what it feels like you got to know some of these guys some guys continue some guys don't but nevertheless uh, you had the journey you had the six-month journey that's what this next one will be it'll be june 1st to november 30th uh, however you have to get in by saturday may 27th we are in exodus chapter 33 let me take a swig of coffee and we'll get into this this is uh this is post golden calf and so god commands the nation of israel to leave sinai now i, I want to say this when i look at moses in particular in moments like this and there are a lot of them if you've been following along or you know your bible or you're reading it for yourself there are a lot of moments where Moses does what I believe a father or father figure should do. Okay, so Moses uh, provides. Moses intercedes. Moses is talking to God for the nation of Israel. Moses is is communicating, if you will, between God and the nation of Israel. He's doing a lot of things that a father figure should do, and and I don't think he gets enough credit. In that vein, I don't think Moses gets enough credit when we look at being just uh, an image of manly, biblical manliness. We typically look at David. Uh, we'll look at even Joseph, Old Testament Joseph. We'll look at um, Daniel. 
you know, and, and rightly so. Uh, you know, in the New Testament, we look at, you know, Paul. We look at Peter. Um, naturally, Jesus. There's people that we say, "Wow, we can really learn from that." Gideon is another one. Um, Nehemiah is a good one. But I just think Moses gets put into kind of a pastoral type image when it comes to how we perceive him. And maybe that's my own thing. Maybe I'm wrong, and you're saying, you know, maybe I'm wrong, and you're like, Jerry, you're not even close. That's fine. Uh, as I read this today, in particularly. In particular, this chapter today, Exodus 33, I continue to think about what a father or father figure should be. Okay, so I was thinking this before I hit record, that how I wanted to communicate this, because I know we'll have a lot of fathers and you know grandfathers who listen to this, but I also know we have a lot of people who, who don't have kids or yet or cannot have them okay so if you don't have kids yet uh, perhaps the Lord will give you that blessing however I have met some of the finest human beings on this planet who for whatever reason cannot have children I, I, the the list of people that I could give you that they and their spouse are not able to have children and and I would if I talked about their character if I talked about the quality of human they are and their love of Jesus and their service to the church, it's its almost head and shoulders above their peers. It really is. And I'm not naming any names, and I've never told them that directly, and perhaps maybe I should. I could think of people, previous ministries, people I've worked with, uh, people in tribe, you know, all different veins of life. And my wife and I have sat down and talked about that and say, these are some of the finest human beings I've ever run up on. Um, their character, their integrity, uh, their reputation, etc. And yet God has not chosen to give them children yet or, or, or ever in some cases. Uh, some of them have adopted, some of them have not adopted. So again, it's, it's different for everybody. Why do I say all that to get to this point? Every man can and should be a father figure to other people. There's there, there's a lot of people who just need that. Even people who have father figures in their life. We could always use one more father figure. We can always use one more person who is looking out for our best interests. We can always look out for or we can always use one person, one more person who is interceding on our behalf. We can always use one more person in our life who says, I'm for you and with you, especially when it comes to having really good and solid, reputable men of God in our life. I say that because I don't want anyone to hear what I'm about to say for the next you know, 10 minutes or so and say, well, I, that dismisses me. <clears throat> Not at all. Not at all. So I'm going to talk about what we see from Moses here, okay? And, and, and tell you why I'm, I'm really leaning in on uh, the, the father aspect. Yeah, this is a podcast about manliness and out in the garage and all that, whatever. But really, fatherhood and being a father figure happens in those quiet moments. It happens when you're not opening the jar because someone else in the house can't get it open. It happens in those moments where you're not putting your foot down on how we're going to spend our money and how we're going to, you know, what decisions we're going to make. And no, you can't wear that. And we're not going there. And, you know, I mean, part of being a, a father is you're not always going to be the popular guy in the house 
sometimes you're going to have to be the bad guy. Sometimes you have to welcome that. I, I don't want to intentionally be the bad guy, but I have to welcome that. And I, I definitely need to be the person who is interceding on behalf of those who are closest to me and the Lord. <clears throat> I don't know. I assume they are if my wife and kids pray for me, but doggone, I pray for them all the time, throughout the day, all the time. And that's what we see for Moses. And that's what I want you to think about. If you have your own children, I mean, that that's low-hanging fruit, right? If you do not have your own children, perhaps it's some kids in the youth group, uh, perhaps it's some people uh, within your church, your community, the teams you coach, whatever, um, you know, the ministries you lead, kids that are represented with those ministries, whatever, like you can be their intercessor. You can be the one that's praying for them and you could tell them. And sometimes you don't have to. Again, we see great value in what Moses does for the nation of Israel. They do not understand it. And most of the time they don't appreciate it, but he's saving their bacon. That's a bad term to use. He's saving their tail, not their bacon. They wouldn't have any bacon, but, uh, I'm going to read this, Exodus 33. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Now, when you do your personal quiet time in your house, I don't know where what it looks like or where it's located at or anything like that. Um, mine varies. Sometimes it's here at the house. Sometimes it's uh, at the office. Sometimes it's out in the garage. Um, I've done it in my car, you know, wherever. When I'm in my tent, if you will, if, when I'm going in to, to meet with God, um, my wife and kids have never rose up and worshipped right outside their bedroom doors or anything like that. Like, yes, our Father is meeting with the Lord. This is, you know, they understand what Moses is doing here. They understand that uh, he's going in to the tent. He's going to meet with God. He's going to get instruction. He's going to get the orders from headquarters to figure out what, what's going what's going to go on next. And you had this pillar of cloud that would descend and would be right at the entrance of the tent as, as Moses and God would speak together. Verse 11 says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. So here you have Joshua kind of holding down the fort. This is an image, if you will, of Titus 2. You have an older generation investing into the next generation. Joshua, who we know, if you know your Bible, is going to lead the Israelites after Moses leaves the earth. He's going to lead them into a different season of, of life uh, as a nation. But could you imagine all the things that Joshua learned just by being around Moses, just by conversations with Moses. I mean, that, that would be a tragedy that you would be in a, a ministry role or you would be in a situation to lead, you know, a wife, a kids, your grandkids, your neighbors, you know, kids, uh, get permission first, uh, your youth group, your children's ministry, wherever. And you never mentored anybody in, in, in what you're doing. All of a sudden, one day you just said, okay, I'm not going to be here no more. Figure it out. I think that, that that's poor lead. I've seen that happen. That's poor leadership, though. You know, and I think that's a sign of insecurity. And so Moses has Joshua. Where's Aaron? Now nah, we're we're not doing that. We want Joshua. 
Joshua's character, Joshua's, he sees something in Joshua. God obviously sees something in Joshua. Brings them together. Joshua's getting like on-the-job training. He's going to need it. He's going to have to lean into it um, after a bit. Moses is going to go back into the camp. And again, we'll go to the New Testament. This is a Titus 2. I imagine jo- Joshua is learning about the Almighty. No question about that. Like that's inevitable. You're the, you're that close to the tent. You're seeing the cloud. You're seeing Moses' face light up. You're seeing all the the things that go with someone being in the presence of the Lord. But I imagine it's conversations about his upbringing, living in Egypt, uh, not wanting to go back to Egypt, uh, possibly even some frustrations with the nation of Israel. Uh, I don't know, but there's a relationship being cultivated there. Part of that that, that cultivation. I believe, is going to help Joshua have life-on-life experience he's going to be able to use as he leads the nation. Because one of the great challenges to leadership on any level is navigating relational waters. Every individual is different. I've I've had to learn this the hard way, and I'm still learning this. I I am, uh, as I've shared before, I'm more of an introverted guy, meaning... Um, I'm probably not going to go out across the street and just be your friend, and you know. But I will be friendly. Like I think there's a difference between being introverted and being a jerk. Some people are just jerks. So for me, through the years, particularly once I got into ministry, I realized um, you need to go talk to people, and so I, I can do that, and and I will talk myself out of it six times before I get there. But I can do that, and so I, I, I you know, talking to people, getting to know people, whatever. But here's the thing you may not know about introverts, you guys that are not introverts. When an introvert hits the gas, sometimes they hit it too hard. My wife and I were just talking about this. There's times where I feel like I'm about to hit the gas too hard, meaning I'm going too fast, too far, too hard, whatever. Like, you know, like, so for me, the way that I hit the gas too hard sometimes is I can get really snarky. And I'm not trying to be a jerk. I just, I think I'm funny. And if I get a laugh or two, I may go back to the well and try to get another laugh or two. And I have to tell myself, like, knock it off, knock it off. And so even like that idea of, of joking with people, um, I, I could joke with people. I could think I'm funny or I think the joke lands or, you know, maybe you're wearing a shirt and I say, make a comment about the shirt and then we just I joke about the shirt. But you're not finding the, the funny about the, the, the joke. And I had to have a guy years ago say, um, they don't find it funny. As a matter of fact, it's very off-putting. So for me to be a little, to be snarky, to be joking, to be whatever, uh, that doesn't work for everybody. I had a guy in my office yesterday that um, I could joke a little, but not a lot. So I have to really temper, you know. And so I say, okay, this not time for a joke. Why do you say that? Because Joshua's going to lead a nation of fickle people who have a lot of preconceived ideas, who have just seen the previous generation die before they go into the promised land. You talk about navigating some relational waters. Uh, Joshua is going to be the guy with Caleb who's going to say, this land is great. We can go get it. Let's go do it. And so the, 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 next, na- the next generation is going to look at him as like, you, you've already caused us a lot of problems. One of the things that we see here, and you begin to drop down in verses 12 through uh, 23, is really the conversation between Moses and God. And Moses saying, like, look, if you're not going to go with us, we're not going. That, that, that would be like leadership 101. If God is not in this, let's not do it. If God is not in this, we're not even going to try it. We're not even going to go there. And so through this, 
through this uh, wearing away, if you will, even Moses' ideas of God and God communicating with him and walking with him through this, Moses becomes a better leader and a better communicator to the nation of Israel. But his relationship with God gets so much stronger. Even to the point that Moses has the courage to ask God, show me your glory. You talk about swinging for the fence. Show me your glory. God said in verse 19, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to you, whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But you cannot see my face, for man shall not see my face and live. Do you think, do you think Moses knew that? Like, do you think he knew <clears throat> that God was so holy that this was a big request? Do you think he thought, all right, if, if I get this answered, whew, boy, we, we have taken the relationship to a new level. Because I think that's part of leading people. That's part of interceding on behalf of people. And we started out talking about, you know, your kids as a as you being a father or a father figure to other people's kids or your again your youth group, your children's ministry. I you know, I used to do children's ministry. I used to coach. I used to work at you know church camps. I've worked at you know I spent you know, 15, 20 years working with kids. You know, essentially twelve and under. And so seeing that you become a father figure to them uh, just by association, just by uh, engagement in time and, and, and how you teach or what you teach, or if you played, um, you know, we played a lot of like, you know, flag football or kickball or whatever, playing sports with them, you become a father figure to them. And they start to see you and they start to see your God through your actions with them. And so when you when you start to see it that way, and you see that relationship that way, I think I think it begins to change your heart. And I think it when it begins to change your heart, it begins to change the way that you pray for them. And that's what Moses is essentially doing here to God. He's making a big request. Moses is comfortable, very comfortable, talking to God on behalf of the nation of Israel, but also for himself. Men, you got to take care of yourself. Like spiritually, you have to take care of yourself. If you're not taking care of yourself spiritually, if you're not growing, and we can get in seasons of stagnation pretty quickly. So if, if you're not growing, if you're not incorporating spiritual disciplines, if you're not reading your Bible and, and pausing long enough to take a couple notes or to send a message off to someone about your thoughts on it or to at least consider what is something from this text I can take away, you become spiritually and relationally malnourished. If Moses doesn't spend all the time he does with the Lord, when when he goes to Israel to, to communicate with them, he's of no, no value to them. Some of us have grown into a position where of, of little relational value to those who we, we love the most because we are not growing spiritually. We haven't invested spiritual value uh, so that we can turn that into relational value. And so when you're communicating, you're communicating out of a place of emotion, a place of reaction, um, a place of maybe hurt feelings or insecurities rather than a place of comfort in knowing who you are in God and understanding your role and that and, and your role in that type of relationship. Again, navigating those relationship waters, relational waters, not relationship waters. And so 
Moses, to a degree, gets what he asks. He gets to see part of God's glory. God said, uh, "Behold, there's a there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, and when while my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen." I can't comprehend that. Okay, so for the cynic who says, "Tell me how that," I don't know. But I tell you, that would be incredible. When when God says, I'll cover you with my hand, would you not want to see God's hand? Like any aspect of God. You if, you if you ever got a glimpse of God like in nature, again, you were sitting out you know, in a deer blind. You're sitting out by a fishing spot. You're sitting out by the beach. You're sitting out by a mountain, whatever. And you hear creation begin to wake up. Isn't it just awesome? And I, I say all the time when I go to those types of places, our God does this every day. From the waterfalls to the crashing oceans to the birds flying around to, you know, deer eating, you know, all the things that are happening, I think our God's glory is on display every single day. Sometimes we've become maybe too civilized where we are on top of one another. And all I hear is the people to the left and the right. And there's so much noise that I don't, I don't hear the Lord anymore and to get away from hearing people from the left and the right and and I'm not talking about politics okay but I'm talking about like neighbors and people across the street and down to I'll turn on some music or I'll turn on the television or I'll turn on podcasts whatever just to filter out that noise but all we did is to replace noise with more noise if we're going to lead well if we're going to love well if we're going to be a strong father if we're going to understand this idea of, of being a father figure to those who need that we're going to have to filter out the noise we're going to have to turn it off. We're going to have to just listen for God. So, last weekend I went down to speak at a, a men's retreat in Kentucky. And I had a hotel room um, that uh, evidently there was a bird that had nested or something. I never did find the nest or something, I say right outside my window. As a matter of fact, when I got into the room, you know, you kind of set your stuff down, get your bearings together. Um, I heard a squeaking noise and I thought it maybe was the air conditioner or something, or, you know, is that my shoes? What's, you know, after you just stop for a minute, listen, what you figure out it's a bird. So I kind of, you know, rat-a-tat on the window and he flies off, whatever. And I think later on he came back. Now through the night, I think birds sleep. He, he was quiet. The next morning, early morning he started out again he just sing 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 i don't know if he's calling out i don't know if he's looking i don't know if he's you know i don't know if he got stuck on i can sing on your love forever i don't know what's going on but he he doesn't stop unless you tap on that window again and then he kind of flies off and as i sat down later on in that same room and started doing my personal worship time it just hit me as i heard him sing again he's singing to the glory of god he he a bird like I got outside my garage and, you know, all of creation understands giving glory to God. They are not bombarded with all the demands and dings and notifications. Not, not at all. Just giving glory to God. And so what Moses does is when he goes in, he meets with the Lord. He walks out a different person. There's two aspects of that. Number one, his relationship with the Lord is stronger I mean, even to the point that he can ask to see God's glory. You talk about a move now. That's a move. And number two, 
he's in a different place to lead people who are hard to lead. If you're leading anyone other than yourself, you realize it's a challenge. If you lead yourself, you know that's a challenge too. But leading people is a challenge because we don't want to manipulate them. I don't want to talk you into something. I don't want to twist your arm. I don't want to berate you or talk down. I don't want to talk down to you or any of those things. Leading people is a challenge. And not only that, remember, old Joshua's watching this too. And Joshua's learning about developing a relationship with the Almighty. we got a lot of people watching us. We have a lot of people we're responsible to. We have a lot of people we are responsible for. What I get from Exodus chapter 33 is, it starts with making time with the Lord. And it starts with when you meet with Him, when you go into your proverbial tent, whether that's at a kitchen table, you know, your front seat of your car, your garage, you know, next to your bed, wherever. Be there. But when you walk out from that space, well, you get up out of your chair, you leave the picnic table, you get out of the camping chair, whatever. Be equipped. Be spiritually equipped. So you can release, so that you can invest into the people who need you to get this right, who depend on you the most, spiritually and relationally. Amen. So check out Exodus 33 when you get a chance. Read it for yourself. Mark it up. Naturally, you're going to find a couple more takeaways and things. I only hit on a handful of verses here. Make sure you check that out. I would encourage you check out the show notes. A lot of things in there about joining the herd, securing your spot for tribe. Again, two days left and dark water woodwork. Man, thanks for listening. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness.